they say you're living good Pretty lawns with fancy landscapes She stares ahead with a blank gaze In her lovely neighborhood Where the living is So good afternoon and welcome to Reverse Your Thinking. I'm your host, Mark Gertz. I'm a mortgage broker in the county of Los Angeles in the state of California, serving all of California and beyond, as Buzz Lightyear would say. Um, the, um, the foundation of this, of this show is Reverse Your Thinking. Uh, our purpose is to try to help you, those listening to us, to look at things from a different point of view. And, and I don't think there's any better time than at the beginning of a year to want to sort of embrace some of these concepts. Uh, we've talked about goal setting and money uh, in, in the first couple of weeks, um, but I, I, wanted to, I wanted to talk with you about, literally about reversing your thinking. You know, we're about to be three weeks into the year, which means there's 49 weeks left. Now, think about that, all right? The, the last time you looked up, there was 52 weeks. That was back in, at Christmas time. Now there's 49 weeks left. Um, where are you going to be 12 months from now? Is it going to be just a continuum of 2023 into 2025? Or are there things that you really, really want to achieve? Well, if there are, then reversing your thinking about those things is an excellent way to achieve them. It's, um, it, it's an old expression that if we keep doing the same things and expect different results, it's that that's the definition of insanity. And you definitely don't want to do that. So let's talk about that for a second, uh, because I think that there are some fundamental things that we need to embrace and take on in order to reverse our thinking and achieve the results that we want by year's end. The first thing, the first thing that I think is critical, um, and I'm sure many of you do this, is to make a list. Now, I don't just mean make a list of what is it that you want to achieve by year's end, although that is definitely something you need to do. You need to take your goals and you need to memorialize them in writing so that you can actually look at them, you know, and you actually can not delude yourself that you never said that in six or eight or 12 months. So take your goals and, and put them in writing. Now, not just your goals for 2024, but your goals for the next, let's say, three months and the next six months and the next nine months need to break these things down into what I like to call digestible pieces of time um, so that you have a sense of what's going on and what you're achieving. You know, I, I grew up on the East Coast and, and one of the things that nature gave us on the East Coast and in many other parts of the world is uh, significant differences when the seasons change. Now, why do I bring that up? Well, because one of the things about seasons changing is that it keeps you conscious of the passage of time. One of the problems in areas like Southern California is that we don't get that external message 
that time is passing. You know, the, the sun shines, what, 50 weeks a year out here? And the weather is usually very temperate, although for the last month it's been on the chilly side, um, not compared to North Dakota, but still on the chilly side for us. Therefore, unless we consciously remind ourselves that time is passing and that achievement of our goals is moving further and further away, we have no consciousness of it going on. And that's one of the reasons why list making becomes really, really important. I was reading a, a book recently by Austin Kleon, and one of the things he talks about with regard to list making is not just to make lists, but to update those lists every night before you go to bed. And his rationale for that is that on the back burner of your mind as you're sleeping, your brain then gets a chance to figure out what it's going to do with the things on the list the next morning when you wake up. In addition to that, when you wake up, you don't have to make a list. It's already there and you can attack it immediately. I've actually started doing that since the first of the year. And I have to tell you something as little as that, something as little as making your list for the next day, the night before, instead of in the morning of, completely will change the way you interact with time and your goals. I, I guarantee it. Give it a try, okay? Um, but along those lines, once you have your lists made, once you know what you want to achieve in 12 months, and then you break it down um, to uh, semi-annually and quarterly and, and maybe monthly or even weekly, now you can begin to figure out what you're going to do what activities you're going to adopt in order to achieve those goals. See, you've reversed your thinking. You went to the end and you looked back and you put together a path that will help you over the next 49 weeks achieve those goals. That's reversing your thinking. That's what this show is all about. We're going to take a short break. And when we come back, we're going to uh, talk about how we can refine this into a system. You're listening to Reversing Your Thinking. I'm your host, Mark Gertz, and we'll be right back after this. And welcome back to Reversing Your Thinking. Uh, before the break, we were talking about list making and goal setting for 2024. Uh, and the fact that we've only got about 49 weeks left to achieve those things. So. Um, I want to talk to you about two or three things that you can do that will dramatically improve your ability to achieve the things you want this year. Um, the first thing is you need to refine your desired outcome. You need to funnel it down and become very specific. Okay. So let's, let's take an example. Let's take an example. Suppose one of the things on your goal is I want to learn to dance. Okay, why did I pick that? I don't know. But that's the thing on your goal. But now you need to refine that down, all right? What type of dance do you want to learn? I, I want to learn how to do Latin dancing. Okay, great. Now you've you've funneled that down. Um, now you need to funnel that down where you're going to go. Are you going to go to a local club every night or are you going to hire an instructor, all right? If you're going to hire an instructor, 
How are you going to get the money to do that? Where is that going to be placed in, in your budget? Do, do you see what I'm getting at? You have to you have to really, really start to define things so that you can feel them, so that you can feel them. And more importantly, more importantly, as you define them, you will be able to see them because you will have a pathway to that goal, a very specific pathway to that goal. Okay, now, once you, once you define that goal, now, one thing that you have to do that most people have a big, big problem with is you have to embrace uncertainty. And that goes against one of the, the, the foundational aspects of human nature, because human beings don't like uncertainty. As a matter of fact, we don't like change uh, in, in most any ways. Um, what we what we want is we want certainty and we want uh, to know exactly what's going to happen. We want the illusion of control. That's what we want. Well, diluting yourself that you're in control of a situation is not going to help you to reverse your thinking and achieve that goal. Matter of fact, it will do just the opposite because you're believing something that is completely untrue. You have no control. What you do have is you have the ability to embrace the fact that you have no control and move forward anyway. That's what embracing uncertainty is all about. There are no guarantees. As somebody once said, the only guarantees in life are death and taxes. Okay? So there are no guarantees. Even if you set all of these goals up, even if you make these lists, even if you break it down and refine it, there's still no guarantee that you're going to achieve it at the end of the year. So you need to embrace that uncertainty. Instead of fighting against it and pushing it away, you need to hug it close to you and say to yourself, even though I have no guarantees, even though uh, it is uncertain that I will accomplish what I want, I am going to give it my best efforts anyway. That's the way we do this. You see, you have to embrace the fact that you have no control and do it anyway. Now, not having any control, embracing uncertainty essentially means that if you are fearful of failure, you need to find a way to do it anyhow. You need to accept the fact that failure is a possibility and you are going to do everything in your power to make sure it doesn't happen with the clear knowledge that it still could, it still could happen. Okay. So we, we refine our desired outcomes. We embrace uncertainty. Now, another big thing that we need to do is to collaborate and seek input. What does that mean? Well, in its simplest form, it means you need to get some help. Because I guarantee you that if this is new to you, if reverse engineering your goals and reverse engineering your life is not something that you do on a regular basis, if planning out a year and breaking it down into digestible pieces of time is not something that you're used to, then as soon as you come up against an obstacle, 
you are going to back away. This is sort of the same thing they, they talk about when they talk about New Year's resolutions. How many people make resolutions, but then don't follow through and achieve them? And one of the big reasons for that is that because they don't have a support network to help them stay on track. There's nothing wrong with feeling out of control. There's nothing wrong with being overwhelmed by the obstacles in your path to achieve your goals. That's totally normal. What is not normal, what is special, is gathering people around you that you can collaborate with and seek input. I've always said that the definition of friendship are people that you can admit fear can failure, I'm sorry, fear, failure, and confusion to without fear of rejection. And in order for you to achieve your goals for 2024, whatever they may be, you are going to need friends like that, whether they're friends or they're people that you hire or they're instructors or they're your psychologist, whatever it happens to be, you need to get input from these people. You need to make them aware that you have these goals and ask them for help. Ask them for input, especially as you start hitting roadblocks and as you start hitting uncertainty along the way. You know, there's an old expression, nobody makes it out here alone. And I have found that to be so true. And you need to understand that nobody expects you to make it out there alone. What they do expect you to do is to embrace uncertainty, make your lists, set up your goals, reverse your thinking, and ask for input from the people that are closest to you. We're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we're going to introduce our guest this week. You're listening to Reverse Your Thinking. I'm your host, Mark Gertz, and we'll be right back after this. Welcome back to Reverse Your Thinking. I'm your host, Mark Gertz. I'm very pleased to uh, introduce our guest this week. We're going to take things in a slightly different direction, although it ties into everything we've been speaking about. Tanya Dahl is a Georgetown UCI-trained board-certified emergency medicine physician. Wow, that's a mouthful. Um, she's been practicing medicine and treating patients with ketamine uh, for over seven and a half years. And while ketamine is traditionally used for sedation in a hospital setting, um, she says it can also be used as a highly effective tool to treat mood and pain disorders. Uh, she's co-owner of a clinic in San Juan Capistrano, right here in California, called Renew Ketamine Infusion. And she's gonna tell us all about that, um, where they've been using ketamine in that capacity for over a year with great success for her patients. Tanya, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Mark. Thanks for having me. Absolutely our pleasure. So I I guess, I guess the best uh, place to start is what's ketamine? Yeah, so that's a really great, interesting question. Great first question. Um, and what's interesting is whenever I introduce my myself to people and tell them what I do, that is their first question. Well, what is ketamine? What are you doing exactly? So ketamine, oh, okay. ketamine yeah, so ketamine is... 
traditionally used as a dissociative anesthetic. And so it was FDA approved back in the 1970s, approved for its excellent safety profile, and is used every single day in the hospital setting, specifically at high doses, can be used to induce anesthesia in the operating room. Um, but what was interesting is, as people were coming out of their anesthesia and out of their surgery, there was an interesting kind of unexpected outcome that was happening with these patients. And so these patients were noticing that people that had struggled with anxiety and depression had come out of anesthesia and they weren't feeling those symptoms. Those symptoms were just somehow mm. on. And so over the last 10, 20 years, we have been studying ketamine for its use specifically in helping to treat people that do have anxiety and depression. Interesting. Okay. So, so you said, um, uh, disassociative uh, anesthetic. W what what does that mean? Especially, how is the word disassociative being used? Right. So, if you want to kind of talk about reversing your thinking, which I know is the whole mm -hmm. kind of you know plot of your your story and everything that you do here, mm -hmm. um, think ketamine as almost a psychedelic type of treatment, and oh. so. What it's doing is it's putting you into a mind space that allows you to kind of think differently and almost be able to see yourself kind of out of your body and see things that you're not able to really understand or process kind of more on a conscious level, if that makes sense. Okay. So, uh, so it's dealing with the sub, uh, the subconscious. Yeah, correct. So another great indication for using ketamine treatment is for people that have experienced trauma in their life. So people that have um, PTSD and have either, you know, family trauma, have have seen war, um, things mm -hmm. like that. And so what it allows you to do is to kind of step out of your body and view these experiences that a lot of times people have repressed pretty deep down. Um when you have repressed memories and experiences, those will affect the way that you think and feel without you even really understanding that that happened to you. Uh -huh. So what happens is this allows you to kind of unlock your mind in a way where you can actually face those experiences head on and kind of take the emotion out of that experience so that you can heal from it and move on and move past it. So um, my, my goodness, I've got so many questions now. Um, so, um, uh, so, 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 so ketamine allows you to, um, uh, access, uh, suppressed memories, things of that nature. Yeah, correct. So a lot of times in the clinic, when we're treating our patients, we'll have patients that come in and they're smiling and they're feeling okay. You know, they deal with a little bit of anxiety and depression in their day-to-day -day life, but mm -hmm. after treatment, they sometimes will just cry tears of joy. The fact that, wow something came up for me that I hadn't thought about in so many years, but I was really able to process and move through it at that point. And so there's a lot of um, revelations that can come while you're actually getting the ketamine treatment. I've, I've heard, I've heard similar statements um, with regard to the use of um, uh, psychedelic mushrooms. Is, mm -hmm. is there any connection between ketamine and, and, um, and them? Yeah, there's definitely a connection and um, psilocybin, which is the chemical compound that is in the magic mushrooms that actually does the work in the brain has been proven and studied to be also very, very effective. So uh -huh. there's 
states in this country that are working right now to not only prove the efficacy, but the safety of these medicines such as psilocybin, other things such as MDMA and LSD also have really great therapeutic benefit. And so there's a lot of um, groups in this country that are working really hard to show the safety and efficacy so that we could get these also FDA approved and legalized to help treat our patients. Okay. So um, th there, there are definite laws against um, the uh, consumer use of psilocybin. Um, uh, but ketamine's different because uh, ketamine. Ketamine's different because it, it was already FDA approved. But what happens if you use it for something that was not part of the FDA approval? Yeah, so that's something called using a medication off-label. And so medicines are used off-label every single day in this country. One example would be a medicine called propranolol. And so that's a beta blocker medicine that people will think generally is used for cardiac conditions like tachycardias where your heart rate tends to be a little high because it can actually help to lower your heart rate. But what's interesting about propranolol is it's also very effective in helping to treat patients with anxiety. And so mm. propranolol off-label to help treat patients with anxiety. And that doesn't mean that it's not safe or efficacious in that use. It just means that when the FDA was kind of going through their initial paperwork to decide, is this a medicine that's safe? That label, that um, use of treating people with anxiety just wasn't uh -huh. part of the paperwork. And so I it wasn't you. part of original FDA package, but that doesn't mean that it's not safe or doesn't work for other indications. So ketamine is the same way. Um, when it was introduced to the FDA, it was, um, you know, introduced as an anesthetic and it was approved for its safety in that. But now we're seeing we can use it for other other things as well. I gotcha. Okay. I guess, I guess the, um, I guess the most famous off, off label drug is Viagra, right? Um, I'm not super familiar with using Viagra um, or its FDA approval or its off-label use. So I can't really speak to that. It was, it was approved for something completely different. And then, then they found that it had other properties. Um, but, um, but anyway, so, um, uh, so, so, so ketamine uh, is being used, I, I guess it would be what psycho psychologically or psychotropically is, 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 is that, is that correct? Yeah, so I think the term is just more general, dissociative is, is what dissociative. it is. Dissociative. Yeah. Okay. All right. And um and and is this something that um that um uh therapists, psychologists, psychiatrists are using in, in their therapies now as well? Yeah, it's interesting. So there's actually a training program that is helping licensed therapists become familiar with the use of ketamine and how oh. they that into their treatment with their patients as a therapist in you know thinking of the medical laws in this state and country as a therapist they are able to administer the ketamine in a in a like a lozenge type of form with right. their um we have psychiatrists that are also starting to use intranasal ketamine it's a treatment called oh. spravato and so again they're using that under you know the patients are using that under supervision of their care provider in their clinics um, at our clinic, we actually administer ketamine only as an IV infusion. And oh. so that's been studied and proven to be the best way to administer ketamine. That way it's hundred percent bioavailable. So we're using our medical licenses to be able to administer the ketamine in the best way possible. 
Okay, well, let's talk about that for a second. So, yeah. um, so, so I, 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 I'm sitting there. I'm sitting there at a bar talking to a to a friend. All right, and and all of a sudden he starts talking about this this thing that he just did, you know, with something called ketamine, and he's telling me all about his experience. And and I say, like, wow, man, that's that sounds like that sounds like really cool. Um, where'd you do that? And he and he mentions your clinic. So I give you a call and I set up an appointment. Um, so take take us through. I I walk in the door. Uh, my only my only knowledge of of ketamine is what I heard at the bar. All right. Mm -hmm. uh, I just hear that it's a cool way to spend the afternoon. What happens? What do we do? Yeah, so actually the first step is going to be that we are going to do a consultation with you. So okay. it's either myself or my partner, Dr. Yannick. Um, we are the co-owners and medical directors. And so we do consultations with every single patient. And so the consultation is a virtual consultation, kind of like our discussion right now. And what we do is we spend about 30 minutes to kind of go over your history, um, talk specifically about your medical issues also, because there are some people where it would not be safe to use ketamine in. And so we want to go through any, you know, medications you take, any side effects, any medical contraindications you might have. And then what we do is every single patient is going to get it, their own specific and unique treatment plan. And so the okay. standard plan is going to be, you come into our clinic six times in about three weeks. So that's mm. called it and you'll do six infusions over about three weeks. But that's not for everybody. There's other patients where maybe they've done ketamine in the past. And so we're having them come in on a maintenance basis. And so maybe we see them once every, you know, six to eight weeks for an infusion. So every single patient's going to have their own treatment plan. And mm -hmm. so we'll use that consultation time to kind of get to know you, talk about ketamine, what you can expect while you're going through the treatment, and then come up with your treatment plan. So once we've done that, we get you on the schedule, and then you actually come into the clinic for your first infusion. And that's when we're really going to also brief you on what you can expect, how you're going to feel. You're going to be sitting in the clinic for your infusion for about 40 minutes. Oh. And so our clinic is special and unique. We only treat one patient at a time. So when wow. you come that's your space, your time. Um, it's all about making sure that every single person that walks in the door is comfortable and, you know, has our full attention. And so you'll do your infusion. And then another interesting thing and something that we believe strongly in is that every patient should be doing therapy with their infusions. So you're getting the benefit of the medicine, which is helping you to create neuroplasticity in your brain. But mm -hmm. what you is you need to step it, take it a step further and do integration so that you can put all those pieces together and start making those new connections. So kind of like what you were mentioning earlier, no one should be going through this alone without talking to others. And so we use our therapists as integrators to kind of help you work through and process your experience. I see. Okay. So, um, so, so I'm the only patient in the clinic and, and you have therapists on, uh, on staff all right, on, on the premises to sort of to sort of talk me through it. Right? So what will happen is there'll be one provider and one registered nurse and then the okay. patient. The whole appointment's about an hour and a half. And okay. then the is done either virtually or in person. And that's in the next day or so. So we like to have oh. our patients home, reflect on their experience. A lot of our patients like to do journaling and they write down, you know, thoughts they had and and things like that. And then they take the night to kind of let that sit in and marinate. And then the uh -huh. next day, that's when they get to talk with the therapist and integrate some of the thoughts and things that they've been, you know, processing overnight. There's a, um, um, there's a franchise of, of wellness clinics called pause. 
All right. And, and I bring them up because one of the things they offer is um, IV uh, like vitamin treatments. And, um, uh, and I've done this. And, yeah. and one of the interesting things about the, the treatments and their effects is that um, they really don't hit you much until 24 hours later. And they seem to last for about two to three weeks. Um, is there a is there a corollary here for for ketamine? Is it sort of the same thing? Well, so yes and no. So like I said, when patients come out of their infusion while they're still right. sitting in the chair, there's been a profound change in people's thinking and explain okay. almost revelations, you know, ideas that kind of come to them that they hadn't thought of before. And so that's almost an immediate thing that happens. Mm -hmm. Um but over time, the effects of ketamine will last. And so we have some patients that went through induction six months ago, and they're just now starting to tell us that, hey, you know, my symptoms are starting to come back a little. I'd like to get ahead wow. of it. I come in for a maintenance dose. And so um, to get six months of really strong benefit without being on daily medications, without having those side effects, wow. it's really special and, and something that can carry you long term. Is is six months a, a normal, or that's uh, is shorter a little bit more more of the norm that you found? It depends because, like person. I, patients, yeah. and that's why in real time we're talking to our patients, we're following up, we're you know deciding what is going to be that next step in their treatment plan. Uh -huh. I would say it's probably 50-50, and it, it tends to be, in my experience, really related to the severity of your depression and anxiety-type symptoms that you've gone through. We treat patients that have been even suicidal every single day of their life as far back as they can remember. And so those patients are really, really severely ill and will need a lot more of an intensive treatment plan and maybe are coming every, like I said, kind of every six to eight weeks for maintenance. Then we have some patients that just go through their day and maybe they're, you know, lacking a little bit of inspiration and lacking a little bit of energy, um, maybe get anxious every once in a while. And so they'll come in, they'll get some infusions and then that could last them. We have some patients that have never even had to come back, which is great. I mean, as as a physician, to be able to heal somebody is kind of the goal. That's the end goal. I don't want somebody to have to come back to me every eight weeks for infusions. To be able to actually heal somebody is the goal. So that has happened. Uh, in, in in Los Angeles, uh, we, we call uh, uh, people like that on the West Side are called um, um, West Side neurotics. Um, uh, <laughs> but um, okay, so wow. So the um, it, it can actually... Uh, I'll call semi-permanently alter the way you think. It can. So. Wow. That's pretty intense. Through your life and your day-to-day -day kind of activities, what will happen is the brain subconsciously is going to program itself and network itself to do things in the way that works most efficiently for the brain. So over time, you're going to start to make connections that are efficient, but maybe not necessarily healthy in terms of your mood and how you think. And so what can happen is when you go through your ketamine treatment, you're almost taking those connections that have been formed over so many, so many years, and you're breaking those connections. And then you're giving your brain a chance to reestablish new healthy connections. And so it's something called wow. neuro. It's been well studied. Um, and what the ketamine can do is it can actually 
fix those broken connections and make them healthy again. And so as long as you're continuing to move through your life and you're working with your therapist and you're making positive changes in your life, those changes are going to continue. Wow. That's, that's, that's pretty intense. Um, so when you say, when you say the brain making connections, are, are we talking, um, are we talking about physical connections of like synapses or are we talking about a, a electronic um uh, uh electrons you know shooting and 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 hitting each other that maybe we're missing before uh, i'm 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 trying to get a a better picture of 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 what connection means so so the nerve cells in the brain they're called neurons and so the way they connect just think of it as kind of like a super highway or maybe a computer network or an electricity circuit and so those connections um are physical connections that have to do with neurotransmitters and impulses that are sent through the brain and so that's kind of how I think about it you know it's hard to kind of visualize I'm more of a visual type of person so if you go mm -hmm. online want to read about neurons and neuroplasticity, maybe watch some videos. I think that that's the best way to really understand. Okay. All right. That That's great. Uh, we, 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 you, I was going to say, we will suggest that to our listeners, but you just did. So that's, that's cool. All right. Um, well, we're going to take, we're going to take this, this conversation, you know, to, to the next level. All right. But first we're going to take a short break. And when we come back, um, we, maybe we'll take a side trip and talk about the Ukraine. And I'll show you how all of that ties together. You're listening to Reverse Your Thinking. I'm your host, Mark Gertz, and we'll be right back after this. Welcome back. Uh, you're listening to Reverse Your Thinking, uh, and we're talking today about ketamine uh, with um, Tanya Dahl. Uh, Tanya, I, uh, it, it was interesting R right after we spoke and, uh, and we booked you for the show, uh, I came across this article, big article about, um, ketamine being used for soldiers in the Ukraine. Maybe, maybe you're familiar with that, uh, with regard to, um, uh, their, their experiences the last two year, two years fighting the Russians, um, and trauma and such. Um, can, can you give us some insight on, uh, if you're aware of it? Of, of how that's being used on the battlefield? Yeah, so what's interesting is let's take it back all the way to the 70s and, and when ketamine was first, you know, coming on the scene and what it was used for. It was actually first used in the Vietnam War. It was used on the battlefield with our soldiers. And mm. so the way that it was being used initially is that, you know, people were coming back with, let's say a, a soldier had a gunshot wound to his leg and he was on the battlefield and he was losing blood and they were going to have to amputate his leg to save his life. What mm -hmm. they would do them a high dose of ketamine, it would sedate him, basically putting him under anesthesia. And then they were able to safely perform that procedure, that life-saving procedure. Um, what was interesting, again, was after the people were getting ketamine for these anesthetic type of procedures and, and issues, they were the ones that were coming back and they weren't having PTSD symptoms. They were doing mm. so much better than the other people, the other soldiers that were coming back. So mm. that was kind of the first, I guess, glimpse into ketamine's standard use and then the other uses that it could be beneficial for. Um, so when we're talking about Ukraine, 
Number one, you can use it on the battlefield very safely. But number two, we know that if you give ketamine to soldiers or really anybody that's gone through really traumatic type of experiences, that it can help them process through those experiences and be able to move past them. Okay. All right. Um, well, that that's really interesting. And the article that I read uh, sort of said the same things, uh, mm -hmm. that it was... Um, uh, working extremely effectively with regard to the trauma that they were going through. Yeah. Um, so, so if a patient comes to you and, and they have a therapist or they've been in therapy for a long time, what, what's going to be the protocol that way? If, if they, if they, they still want to use their, their own therapist. Yeah, so a lot of people have well-established relationships with their therapists and they're very comfortable with them. The therapists know them really mm -hmm. well. My first question would be for the patient to ask their therapist what they think of the treatment. Have they mm -hmm. heard about the treatment? Are they familiar with it? Sometimes they'll say, yes, I've actually had a patient that's gone through it and I kind of know, you know, how what to expect and how to walk you through that. Um, there are some times, though, where the patient will talk to their therapist and the therapist will say, wow, I'm really not comfortable. I really don't know how I would help you through this. And so what we do is we would just recommend that they would work with our therapists. Um, we have therapists that have gone through specialty trainings in ketamine-assisted psychotherapy. And so our therapists mm -hmm. are and very comfortable. And so what we can do is for those three weeks while you're getting your six infusions and six therapy sessions, you would just work with our therapist and our therapist then after those three weeks will kind of pass the baton, the baton back to your normal therapist to continue your treatment. But if you have a therapist that you like working with and the therapist feels comfortable and wants to move forward, we would just recommend that you're working with them a little more intensely during this mm -hmm. time. We'd recommend probably twice a week. So most people will see their therapist every week, every two weeks, sometimes monthly. And we right. would just, while you're going through this really intense induction, that you work with them more frequently. Well, let me ask you, you know, um, many people uh, who have never been in war have have uh, extreme trauma in their childhoods, all right? Mm -hmm. um, it can be trauma of child abuse. It can be, uh, it can involve rape. It can involve, uh, you know, being, being um, deprived of things. And, and, and it's not uncommon. It's not uncommon for, for many people to suppress these things, you know, and sort of take a, a stiff upper lip approach and, and go about their lives while on a subconscious level, uh, they're, they're still hurting. Um, and, uh, and and maybe in some ways um, also undermining their, their own abilities to achieve. Um, is it is it possible if somebody comes to your clinic for, for ketamine therapy um, that all of these memories start flooding back and they start, for lack of a better term, freaking out? Yeah, so I mean, the point and the goal of all of this is to have those memories come back. We don't want you to repress them anymore. We want them to come to the surface so you can actually process them and kind of work through them. Mm -hmm. And so we, I wouldn't explain it as patients freaking out. I would explain it mm -hmm. as patients having an emotional infusion, which will happen and can happen. And so um, okay. all of our providers and our nurses are very well-trained in how do we handle a patient that's in the chair getting an infusion and maybe becomes frightened or maybe becomes tearful and starts crying, we're there mm -hmm. for you. And that's why we believe one patient at a time is the way to go, because we want to be there for you in mm -hmm. your whatever it is that you need. And so we're very well trained on knowing how to handle those situations and to how to kind of process you through that. But it's not mm -hmm. a new 
that a patient will cry during an infusion or maybe some things will come up that can be scary. Mm. So, you know, one thing that I think about is nothing that's worth having comes easy. And this is the same thing. So when you go through your induction, it's not going to be easy. You're going to have to put in the work and you're going to have to go through some things that are not comfortable sometimes, but so, that's how you really heal and move forward. And just right. knowing you're there to literally hold your hand, wipe your tears, help calm you and help you get through it is, is really important. It sounds very much like how we started the show, talking about embracing uncertainty and, and collaborating and seeking input. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, is, is, is ketamine theory, uh, ketamine theory, ketamine um, therapy, is it um, uh, knowledged by, by insurance companies at this point? So unfortunately, mm -hmm. insurance does not directly reimburse for ketamine therapy. So okay. we ketamine clinics do not contract directly with insurance companies. So what will happen is you'll pay for your infusion before your appointment, you know, upfront cash every single time. Okay. Um, we do actually have some things in place where we like to try to support people as much as we can financially. Okay. And so what we do is our patients that have PPO insurance plans, we're able to generate super bills for them. And it's not at all for the ketamine treatment. It's for the office visit. It's for the medical exam. It's for those pieces that we're doing with the patients that actually are recognized by insurance. And so we generate super bills for patients. They submit that to insurance and some of them are getting pretty good reimbursements actually, mm -hmm. which is, um, right. we also will take flex spending accounts and HSA accounts too, to see if we can help people. You know, by the end of the year, you have maybe $5,000 that you didn't use. That's just sitting there and you're not sure what to do with it. Um, I know we're at the beginning of the year now, but at you know, a couple months ago, we were having patients coming to us asking if they could use those accounts and we were able to do that for them. So um, that's kind of where we're at now, but we're hopeful insurance is going to start to kind of recognize this as the the viable treatment option that it is and right. support more what, through reimbursement. What, 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 what about Medicare? Is Medicare picking this up for, um, for, for, for older adults? Medicare is not. Medicare is. Not. is okay. Got it. So is there is there an age limit on this? I mean, can 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 a 14 year old do do ketamine treatment or you have to be at least 18 years old to do it? So ketamine in general, so safe that we use it in the hospital every oh. day, it, you know, babies all the way up to people that are 110 years old. And so it's very, very safe um, just in general as a medication. Um, in terms of our clinic, we have had a couple of consultations with some young teenagers. We have not yet had the privilege to treat them, but we would be open and willing. Like I said, we discuss every single patient, come up with gotcha. a plan for every single patient that's different. So okay. no, no age limit in terms of what we could do. Okay, let's take a quick break. You're listening to Reverse Your Thinking. We'll be right back after this. And welcome back to Reverse Your Thinking. Uh, we're talking to Tanya Dahl, who uh, has a ketamine clinic in uh, San Juan Capistrano, correct? Yeah. Is, is that your only location right now? Uh, as of now, yes, but okay. we are working to expand so that we could be able to offer this treatment to more people. No doubt, no doubt. So um, uh, I, 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 I would have to believe that if ketamine's been around for 50, 60 years, you're, you're not the only clinic around. Um, you're, you're just the best clinic around. Um, maybe, maybe you could share with us 
uh, some of the things that that you feel makes your operation uh, better, different from, let's say, the norm? Uh, you did share with us the fact that it's one patient at a time. I'm sure that's relatively unique. Uh, what else can you share with us about that? Yeah, sure. So there are several clinics kind of in the Orange County and Southern California area. And when we decided we were going to open our clinic, we thought really, really hard about how did we want to deliver this treatment to patients? How would we want to be treated if we were a patient? And so mm -hmm. like one of the most important things is we do one patient at a time. So mm -hmm. that whole experience, that whole appointment is tailored just towards that specific patient and giving them everything they need in terms of support. Um, other things that make us special, um, we really, really value therapy. We value the integrative therapy that goes along with all of this. So mm -hmm. a lot of the clinics, when we were looking at other clinics and how things were being done, we found that they were infusing the ketamine, but they weren't really taking, I guess you could say the football into the end zone. Like they were, they were kicking it down the field, but they weren't really making that touchdown. And so we felt that adding therapy was the way to take this really effective medication and really just hit it home to a, a place where it's going to be the most effective. Okay. Um, what else do we do? Oh, so a lot of the clinics um, are treating either patients with chronic pain in, in a pain clinic, mm -hmm. or they're treating patients with mood disorders such as depression, anxiety. And so we actually treat both. We're one of the only clinics that do that. And so I have a special interest in treating mood disorders, but my partner and co-owner, Dr. Yannick, he actually got a Harvard fellowship uh, board certification in pain management. And so of okay. all the doing to help treat patients' pain, he actually felt that the ketamine was the most effective. So we combine both of those treatments. Um, and then lastly, oh, one last point. Um, mm. A lot of the clinics that you go into, they're sterile medical offices. And so one thing that we do in our clinic is it's a spa-like environment. We have... Yeah. Um, aromatherapy, we have music therapy, we have a recliner chair that you're going to get nice and comfortable in. And so, you know, plants everywhere, you're not going to walk in and know that this is a medical, you know, treatment space at all. Gotcha. Gotcha. You, let me ask you a question. Um, as a mortgage broker, uh, one of my specialties is um, divorce. Okay. I'm certified in divorce lending. Um, and, and one of the types of divorce uh, processes that we work with a lot is something called collaborative divorce, where um, where the couple basically surrounds themselves with a team, uh, two attorneys, uh, two coaches, a therapist, a financial analyst, and so on and so forth. Um, and um, and and the purpose, the purpose of that type of a divorce environment is, believe it or not, for the couple to be able to communicate better than they ever did in the marriage. And, and I'm wondering if there might be a tie-in, in your opinion, with, with, with this type of collaboration and, and injecting uh, ketamine into that to help facilitate um, the divorce. Thoughts? Yeah, no, I think it's a very, very interesting idea. Um, I will say we actually do have two recliners in the clinic because we've been really hoping for that opportunity to get family in with treatment together. We haven't had the opportunity to do it yet, but I'm hopeful that I think it would really be helpful for people. Um, one thing that ketamine does is it puts you into a more kind of disinhibited kind of emotional type of state. Uh -huh. and so 
there has been a lot of couples therapy done with ketamine. And what will happen is it'll put people into a state where they're really being kind of their most authentic selves. And they're just saying what needs to be said without, you know, trying to think of, oh, how, how do I, like, maybe I don't want to share this. Maybe this is too much information. Um, it can put you into a state where you're just being your honest self. And so I think when two people get to a place where they can just be their honest selves together, that's uh -huh. what figure out how you guys can come together. Um, so I think there would be a really, a really, you know, natural place for ketamine to be used in that kind of setting. In, in, in a collaborative divorce setting. Yeah, that, that, that's, yeah, that, that, that's really interesting. And, um, uh, but, but, you, but you don't have any experience yet working with a couple with, with yeah, ketamine so therapy. There's been a lot of research on it and a lot of uh -huh. studies done and trials done, which show that it does work, but we have not yet had hmm. the experience with a couple. So if there's anybody out there that's listening and, and this rings true to you and you would like to kind of come give us a try and trust our process, we would love to help you through whatever you're going through. No, that sounds really interesting. That sounds really interesting. Maybe, maybe all of a sudden we've we've tied two pieces together and 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 who knows what's gonna what's gonna pop up from it. So if if somebody in our audience wants to get a hold of you or get a hold of your clinic um and they want to set up an appointment, what is the best way for them to accomplish that? Sure, there's a, a couple of ways. So number one, you can just call us. Our number is 949-503-1414 and we'll reach back out to you. Myself and Dr. Yannick personally reach out to all the patients and all the calls. Um, the second way would be to email us. So renewketamineinfusion at gmail.com. And third way, if you go on our website, renewketamineinfusion.com, you can find lots of information and in the top right home page, there's a button that says schedule free consultation. And so you can actually book a consultation appointment right then and there with something that works in your schedule. Wonderful. Just give us that phone number again. Yeah. So it's 949-503-1414. Terrific. And make sure when you call, you tell them that you heard about it on Reverse Your Thinking. I'm your host, Mark Gertz. My, uh, my guest this week, uh, Tanya Dahl, thank you so much for joining us and bringing us up to speed on ketamine. Uh, we'll see you next week. Get home safe, kiss your family, and be well. Where the living is good.